Good morning. I'm so glad that you're able to join me this morning on Monday, November 9th. And uh, I'm just so glad to report to you that um, Kohari and I both got our test results yesterday on our COVID tests and we, um, we tested negative. So uh, we're praising God for that. And uh, also just thanking you for those of you who prayed for us. And we're sorry that we missed out on church yesterday, um, but we did watch from home. We had a great worship time from our, um, from our TV room upstairs. And so we're just thanking God for that. And we'll continue to pray for each other during this uh, COVID time period, won't we? Well, we're going to the Word of God today, and uh, we're going to study a story about Solomon. I'm calling this devotion Solomon's Downfall, Part 1. Uh, I'm going to talk about Solomon now for two days, today and tomorrow. And uh, we're eventually tomorrow going to see his downfall when he uh, takes on so many wives. And it's one of the horrific stories in the Bible, actually, especially coming shortly after um, Solomon prayed for wisdom in chapter 3. I'm going to do it in two parts today because I want to show you the, the warning that God gave to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 9. As you recall, on Friday I talked about um, Solomon uh, receiving a visit from God in his dream in chapter 3 of 1 Kings in which God asked him, uh, what do you want? I'll give you anything that you want. And Solomon prayed for wisdom. It's a wonderful chapter, and uh, it's a great pattern uh, to follow after in asking God for his great wisdom and knowledge. And then in chapters 5 through 8, what we see in 1 Kings is actually finally the building of Solomon's temple. And it has some various descriptions through, that, uh, through that, those chapters. And then in chapter 8, a long prayer given by Solomon uh, in dedication to the temple and in prayer to God. So I want to start off in chapter 9 and verse 1 when it says, When Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had achieved all he had desired to do, the Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. Now stop there in your reading for just a moment. You recall, as I said in chapter 3, the Lord had appeared to Solomon in Gibeon in a dream. And so when it says here that the Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon, we're to assume and to understand that the Lord appeared to him again a second time in a dream. I believe that's what that means. Uh, and here, this time, when God shows up, he has a very strong warning for Solomon, actually. So... Uh, God puts on his, uh, his heavenly father warning voice here, I guess you could say, and gives Solomon a very stern warning. He says in verse 3, I have heard the prayer and plea you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. <clears throat> so, apparently... Uh, we see in the previous chapter that Solomon had prayed a prayer and had a plea. And actually, it just wasn't just one plea. Solomon prayed for a whole bunch of things. And so if you go back um, sometime and read that chapter, you'll find these things that Solomon prayed. First of all, Solomon prayed to God that he would keep a person from the house and line of David, house and line of David on the throne forever. And so he's calling upon God to keep that promise. God, would you, would, you, would you make it so 
that someone from our house and line would be on the throne forever. And then he prays that whenever they pray prayers, both he and the people of Israel pray prayers from the temple, that God would hear their prayers. And then in verses 30 through 32 of chapter 8, he prays that they would that God would forgive anyone's sins who repented and, uh, and came to him uh, in a heart of humility. And then he prays protection from natural disasters. And then in verses 41 through 43, he, he prays that any foreigners who come into the land of Israel because they've seen the mightiness of God and come and worship God, he prays that, that God would hear their prayers too. This is just a beautiful part, that God would hear, hear the prayers of the foreigners who would come in, the aliens as the Old Testament calls them, and that God would hear their prayers as well. And then finally he prays in verses 44 and 45 that if they ever go to battle that God would give them success. So there's this whole, there's this whole list of things that um, Solomon is praying for. It's a litany of one thing after another after another that he, he's asking God to answer. And I, it's tremendous. It's, it's a wonderful prayer. It's a heartfelt prayer. And, um, and God is now saying, look, I've, I've heard your prayer. And then in verse 4, look at this. He says, he begins to respond. He says, as for you, if you walk before me in integrity of heart and uprightness as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws. I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. In other words, he's saying, okay, I will, I will keep that promise as long as uh, you continue to follow me, that someone in your house and line who's on the throne will continue to follow me including you, Solomon, he's saying. You must follow me. So this is the beginning of the warning that the Lord is laying out to Solomon. And we're going to find tomorrow as we go uh, later on in the story that Solomon didn't follow God's commands, right? And that he did take on uh, the foreign wives and uh, the numerous wives. And that's, of course, where we're going to get to his downfall. I'm calling today's message, Solomon's Downfall, Part 1. Now, we don't see the downfall yet, but what we're seeing here is the warning um, from God uh, to continue to follow in His ways. Well, the warning continues in verse 6. It says, But if you or your sons turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them. Stop reading there for a moment. Here's the warning, right? Don't go and serve other gods, period, plain and simple. I'm the one true God, God our Lord is saying. Uh, our God is the jealous God and He'll suffer no impostors, absolutely. And He has the right to do that because He is perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, and perfectly good and loving and kind. Everything about our God is perfect. And the words of the Ten Commandments would have been, uh, would have been common for uh, for Solomon to remember. And so I just want to go back to Exodus chapter 20 for a moment uh, because Solomon would have known these words so clearly and so well. S Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Right? The first commandment, the, 
the very initial commandment out of 10. And then you shall, ha you shall not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. That is no idol worship. Don't, don't craft yourself a little idol to worship. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourselves an idol. And then, of course, number three goes right along with it. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And there's tons of ways that we can misuse God's name, not just by swearing um, with his name. But back then, um, uh, simply putting an, the name of another God above Yahweh would have been misusing his name. So it goes right along with, um, with keeping God as the only and one true God. And then, of course, the fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy because as soon as you stop remembering the Sabbath day, you stop remembering God. Um, ceasing to remember the Sabbath day is one of the first steps towards ceasing to remember the holy God in your life. Well, Solomon would have been well-versed in all of these commands. And so now, in 1 Kings chapter 9, God is simply reminding Solomon to do what he'd already taught him to do, uh, the nation to do, uh, generations earlier. And it's a good reminder for him. It's a good reminder for us, right? What are those things in your lives that you're putting above God, before God? Uh, what are the idols that you have? Well, we don't craft ourselves little uh, figurines anymore and worship and put them on the table and worship them. We don't do that. But there are so many other things that we tend to put before God that, that become more important to us than God, whether it be our money, maybe, perhaps, our possessions. Maybe it's our looks are all too important to us. Maybe it's, our, maybe it's sex, or uh, maybe it's our hobbies, or maybe it's our work. That These things that we so uh, give so much of our attention to and we so idolize that they become more important to us than God and His commands. I've written down here, an idol is anything that we give attention to that causes us to disregard the commands of God. Anything that we give attention to that causes us to disregard the commands of God. You see, we look at the story of the downfall of Solomon, and we see that he had 700 wives, and of course that's horrible, right? And of course that goes against the commands of God. But it's just a symptom of the same problem that we all have, and that is that we tend to put things in our lives before the Lord. And so we need to examine ourselves constantly and re-examine ourselves and ask, what are those things that we need to submit back to God? Well, the story continues in verse 7. The warning continues, Then I will cut off Israel from the land. This is, these are some of the results if, uh, if they don't continue to serve God alone, but go off and serve other gods. Then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all the peoples. 
And though this temple is now imposing, all who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? There are three things there that would become a result, uh, a consequence of their following other gods. The first is that they will be cut off from the land. Do you see that? This is huge. This is the one sentence here. This is a huge consequence. Then I will cut off Israel from the land. In other words, they won't have the land to live in anymore. It's very concrete. And then secondly, um, uh, I will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. I will reject this temple. In other words, um, either abandon it or it will be destroyed. Right? So God would reject the temple. And then number three, um, Israel itself as a nation will become a byword and an object of ridicule among all the peoples. In other words, they're going to have a horrible reputation. So there's these three things in consequence that will happen if they follow other gods, false gods. And by the way, of course, all three of these things eventually happen to the nation of Israel. Eventually, they get exiled out of the land, right? The temple is destroyed and the nation becomes uh, a shambles and loses its reputation. And uh, Israel, the northern part, uh, will, will become exiled in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians, and then the southern part, Judah, will become exiled to the Babylonians in 586 B.C., at which point, in 586 B.C., Solomon's temple gets destroyed by the Babylonians. And so all of these things eventually come true. Why? Because they go off and serve other gods. They don't stay true to the one true God, Yahweh. We'll just finish off this story in verse 9. It says, People will answer because they have forsaken the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why the Lord brought all this disaster on them. You see, when the people come and see eventually that the temple gets destroyed and that the, and that the Israelites are exiled, they're going to ask, well, what happened? What happened to this wonderful, great, mighty people? And the answer is, the answer is that this Israelite people during that time has rejected the mighty God. It's not God's fault. God's always there loving them, providing for them giving them all that they need, and yet they'll turn their backs on the one true God and go to serve weak, false gods. Why? There's no good answer. But God will always retain His glory and His power. God's name uh, will never ultimately be shamed. It may appear as such for a while, but God's name will never ultimately be shamed because God, God is glorious above all. I love First um, Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 and 11, or 10 through 13. And I actually quoted this in my sermon yesterday when I was talking about the glory of God and that how Jesus used this verse in His Lord's Prayer in the doxology. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. 
for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. That's what God wanted from Solomon and from all of the other kings that succeeded him. Simply that they would give him, that they would give Yahweh the glory and the honor. And that's what he wants from us. And here he's just warning them. If you don't do that, if you don't give me the glory, then it will be to your downfall and to your own destruction. And so we take this warning seriously. And I'm asking God, God, help me not to have a downfall this week. Help me not to be in in a downward spiral away from you. But help me always to come back to you, praising you, glorifying you, Lord, that I might have your blessing and your strength. Well, let's pray for that grace today and for this week as we look at this story of the downfall of Solomon. Dear Heavenly Father, we do need your infilling spirit, Lord, because we are weak people, Father. But in your strength, we are no longer weak, Father. In your power, uh, each and every day that we draw upon, uh, Lord, we, uh, we can give you the honor and the glory. And that, in that way, Lord, you've, you make us strong once again. God, I thank you for this story of warning and also ultimately a remembrance of your blessing as we follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for bearing with me this morning and all of the, um, the volume issues at the beginning, but now his word has been put forth once again. Love you all. Have a great day.